You're listening to the Young Adult Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, challenge you, and lead you closer to Jesus. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy. As usual, I am so excited to be here with you guys and to be honored with bringing the word tonight. Um, So before we dive into the word, I just wanted to take a minute uh, to share with you guys a a story. Um, So as some of you may know, uh, I've been involved with the Young Adults Ministry here for almost five years now, uh, coming on five years this next... This next year. Yes, thank you. And um, I don't know if any of you, if some of you may have heard this story of how I got here, but I just wanted to, to share that with you guys tonight. So uh, in 2018, around April of 2018, uh, I was involved at this church in Lompoc uh, that was called First Presbyterian Church, uh, but I was working together with a group of people. Uh, to try and revamp that church because they had approached us and they were just like, hey, we see our church is dying. Literally, there were only 10 people in the congregation um, and they were all over 75. And so they were like, hey, we want to be full of life again. Uh, we want you guys to come help us bring some youth mindset and, and bring us back. And so we're like, cool, we'll do that. So me and my older brother and younger brother were on the worship team, and my dad was the tech team. He was in charge of sound, lyrics, the whole shebang. Um, Lighting wasn't an issue because there were giant stained glass windows that flooded the room with light. Um, Not a a knock on stained glass windows. I love stained glass windows. They're beautiful, beautiful. But anyway, when we walked in the doors, we basically doubled the size of the church just by walking in. And so... That's kind of a a context of how that church was set up at the time. And we had done so much work over the course of a year, just changing not only the name from First Presbyterian Church of Lompoc to City View Community Church, but we had gone through the gruesome process of pulling away and, and separating ourselves under the denominationship of the PCUSA, Presbyterian Church of the United States, and changed it over to the EPC, which is the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. A whole bunch of legality aspects of that process took forever, and we finally got that taken care of. We did a ton of stuff, revamping, working working that out. And about April of 2018, back to where we were, April of 2018, I was exhausted, a little exhausted, and ended up going over to Hume Lake for the worship retreat called Ascend, just to get a little bit of a, yeah, Ascend Worship Retreat. They do amazing work there and just pouring into to worship leaders and student worship leaders just to try and like just solidify them in, in what their work they're doing. So we were there. Uh, me and my best friend were there. And that's where I met a group from FCC. And we were hanging out the whole weekend. And it wasn't until like the third day that we were there that I'm just like, oh, where are you guys from? And they're like, Santa Maria. And I was like, no way. I'm from Lompoc. You guys are from Santa Maria. That means I can be friends with you outside of this camp thing? Sweet. It was awesome. I was, I was pumped. And they got me connected, told me that there was a young adults group. And at the time, it was meeting on Sunday nights every other week. Every other week. We, we didn't have a consistency other than every other week. And I was like, cool. But I'm there. So I was there. and I, Here, I should say. I was here and getting involved and just participating. 
And it wasn't until probably around June of that year that uh, the leader of our crew that was doing the revitalization of the Presbyterian Church uh, came up to us and was like, hey guys, we've all been doing this volunteer. Uh, I was actually offered a job as an associate pastor down in Joshua Tree, and it's paid, so I'm taking it. And one by one, every single person that was involved with helping out with that ministry, myself, my older brother, my younger brother, my dad, they're all, and then the other guy, Tyler, who was in, like basically the head over the worship team, they were all just like, yeah, I've got another opportunity over here. Once you're gone, I'm gone. And I was left sitting there as the last person in the room that hadn't said anything, and they all kind of look at me and they're like, should I stay or should I go? And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I <laughs> I'd spent the entire day that Sunday just praying and going, Lord, what do we want me to do? Because I could either stay, be the only person trying to revive this church that I didn't grow up at. I don't really have any connections here other than having been serving here against these stone walls of people that didn't want the help, or I don't know what. And so I came here to that Sunday night, and I was still just in prayer, just, God, what do you want me to do? And when I finally came and was listening to the message after the message, I was just singing, worshiping with everybody. And somebody came up to me, and they're just like, hey, have you thought about helping lead worship here at Revive? And I was like, well, not really. I've been serving at this other church, so I didn't want to, like, split my serving in different churches, and I was just solely focused on one and kind of gave up my excuse. And that conversation ended, then another person came up, then another one. By the end of the night, five different people separately, individually, had come up to me and were just like, hey, have you thought about leading worship here? And I was like, okay. But mind you, th these weren't people that were in leadership at Young Adults or through in Revive at any capacity. They were just part participants, congregants like me that were just sitting in the pews or in these chairs with me. And I was just like, okay, Lord. And I drove home, went to sleep, or got into my room. And I'm just like, Lord, what are you saying? What, what am I supposed to do? And then I received a text from Justine, who was the, at the time, she was the, the person that was in charge of young adults. She was on staff here at the church to make Revive happen, make young adults happen. And she's just like, hey, have you thought about helping out with worship? And I was like, okay, okay, God, got it. Uh, someone with authority has now asked me, to, I get it, okay. So I made that decision to come and start helping out at Young Adults and, and actually actively be and make it my home church. Not just Young Adults, but make FCC my home church. I actually didn't end up going back to City View. I just realized. <laughs> After I got that text, the next weekend I was actually going to be away because we were all going to Shaver for, for the Young Adults Shaver trip for the summer. And I texted them. I texted Tyler and, and Mike and I was like, hey, by the way, <laughs> last week was my last Sunday. Um, that was probably not the best way to do that. But anyway, 
So I was just like, okay, this is my home church now. This is where I am. And so to tie that in, as we're going to be diving into the message, the passage that we have tonight, which is 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 13. So you guys could go ahead and flip there right now. Um, as we're diving into this passage, the question that I want us to ask ourselves, or the two questions I should say, how do I listen to God? And how do I obey his instructions? Tonight we're continuing the series of Be Still. Um, and last week Josh started us off in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 24 through 33. Uh, if you weren't here last week, I do encourage you guys to go back and watch that message. Uh, you can find it at our, uh, in the, the link in our bio on Instagram, FCC, yeah, and then just click the link and watch previous sermons. Um, very good message. So, but in that passage that Josh was speaking about, um, he was speaking, Jesus was speaking with the disciples, and he was encouraging them and us to not be anxious. Josh talked a lot about, in this day and age, we find ourselves filling our lives with busyness. You guys can relate to that? Absolutely. I related to that big time. Uh, and in the midst of the hustle and bustle of our everyday lives, we often create a sense of anxiety that is our status quo. And as we're making ourselves more and more busy, we're actually displaying and showing who or what we are making idols in our lives or God of our life. So tonight, we're going to be taking a bit of a turn and looking at an example of a godly man in the Old Testament. Uh, this story only solidifies, or not only solidifies, the message we heard last week from Josh, but it also goes a little bit deeper uh, and addresses the questions that I asked a second ago. So let's go ahead and read chapter 19 of 1 Kings, verses 1 through 13. It says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise, eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Herob, the mount of God. There he came to a cave and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant and thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, 
go stand, go and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So before we pack, unpack this passage, it's a long, a bit of a long passage, very wordy. I want to take a moment to explain some context, okay? So at this point in this history of Israel, um, it has been decades since David was king of Israel. And every single king after him has strayed further and further from God. In fact, as each new king is introduced in the Bible, the Bible gives us a little disclaimer that says, then so-and-so was crowned king of Israel, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. For decades, this has been going on. And because of this, God had appointed specific people called prophets who he would speak directly to and have them relay his message to these evil kings. Elijah is one of these prophets. And at this time, the king over Israel is a man named Ahab. Now, without spending too much time on Ahab, a little bit of who he is, he was one of, if not the most evil king of Israel that they had had this far. As Israel was dwelling geographically among the nation of Canaan, Ahab fell in love and married this woman named Jezebel. As a result, he began erecting these different statues and idols to her gods. He had dedicated himself so deeply to her gods that he had agreed to have all the, prophet, the prophets of Yahweh slaughtered. And he appointed 400 prophets to her god Asherah and 450 prophets to the other god Baal. Now, Elijah, being the only prophet of God remaining, challenged Ahab and his prophets of Baal and Asherah to a god-off, basically. And they agreed to make two altars on Mount Carmel, or Carmel, Carmel, whatever you want, however you want to say that. So they would each take turns at, these two at one of these two altars and cry out or try and get their god to rain down fire and burn up or ignite fire and burn up their offering of ox. You want to guess what happened when the prophets of Baal and Asherah started doing their thing? So the prophets of Baal and Asherah cried and danced and beat and cut themselves and screamed and ran around like chickens with their heads cut off. For hours, pretty much the whole day, this is happening. It got to the point where Elijah is just sitting there just mocking them. He's just like, oh, maybe if you yell louder. Oh, is he out hunting? Oh, maybe Baal is just like on the crapper. Maybe, maybe, maybe he got him when he's trying to take a crap. Let's yell louder. See what happens. Nothing. Nothing. Then it's Elijah's turn. And after he instructs the soldiers to douse the altar 
in water, completely soaked, worse than the rain today. Every ounce of it just soaking wet so that there would be no stipulation of like, oh, maybe he had a spark hidden under there. There would be no room for doubt. He just knelt down and prayed, God, glory be your name. Light up this altar. And God rained down fire and burnt up the ox, the wood, and the entire altar. Didn't even leave scorched ground. Just gone. Then Elijah turned around and killed every single one of the 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah. That's where we pick up our our story in this passage tonight. Jezebel vowed to kill Elijah, so he is running for his life in fear. I just want us to take a moment. Close your eyes. Imagine. Put yourself in Elijah's sandals. Close your eyes and imagine seeing all that you just saw or that he just saw and doing all that he just did. And now you are running in fear of your life. What would be going through your mind? Well, we see here, you guys can open your eyes. Sorry. (laughs) We see here what is going through Elijah's mind. In the second half of verse four, he says, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. He is crying out to God, overwhelmed, filled with fear and anxiety, pleading that God will kill him. Have you ever been so overwhelmed, so scared, so anxious, that you've thought, it'd be better if I just died? My friends, I want you to hear me right now. If that's you, You're not alone. None of you. A little while ago, uh, probably around September, October uh, of 2020, I think is when it was, um, I had been struggling with a health condition. Uh, It's called IBD, uh, inflammatory bowel disorder. Basically, what that means is I was suffering from chronic diarrhea. Uh, for about two years at that point. And it got to the point where I was afraid to even eat anything because I knew about 20 minutes later, explosions were about to occur. Um, It got so bad that I actually lost over 50 pounds because I had stopped eating and was crapping myself constantly. That plus COVID, that was the height of COVID at that point, and I was forced to work from home alone. Now, this may be a surprise to you guys, but I'm a bit of an extrovert. Um, (laughs) Right? I I didn't believe it myself. Um, (laughs) So being stuck in my apartment alone, spewing liquid out my rear, I never felt more alone. I was depressed. I was hurting. And we didn't even have young adults going at this point. Because we had to stop because the COVID scare was so bad. We, we weren't meeting in person. It wasn't for 
months that we actually even decided to start meeting on Zoom. So I was alone. I felt alone. I felt like there was no one in the world. And I got to the point where I actually thought, you know, I'm not going to kill myself, but if I was to have an accident, I'd be okay with that. Like, I'm not going to do that to my friends and family and have them go through the emotional turmoil of thinking, oh, what could we have done? But if it was to happen naturally, if my IBD was to go so bad that I would just poop myself to death, or if I was to accidentally run my car off the road, I'd be cool with that. As you can tell, that didn't happen. Thank the Lord. We did just, I just realized I never wrote an ending to that story. I'm here. We're good. I realized that, you know, I did have people in my life that I could share things with and, and talk to. And Ethan's one of them, one of my best friends. I was able to actually reground myself with a sense of community and, and family. But that is where Elijah's at. In fact, he's further beyond that point. He is actively praying for God to take his life. But that's not the end for Elijah either. Look how God responds to Elijah. Let's go back to uh, verse 5 through 8. It says, And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Herob, the mountain of God. God immediately doesn't ignore or chastise him for feeling that. He says, I'll do you one better. I'm going to take care of you. Eat. Take a nap. You moody. God gives Elijah food, tells him to rest, and then he tells him to go. So let's continue. Verse 9 through 13, the last section of this passage. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant and thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but, God, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out 
stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? There was a strong wind. Picture that. A hurricane wind. God wasn't in the wind. There was an earthquake. San Andreas split down the middle. Earthquake. God's not in the earthquake. A fire. I don't have an analogy for the fire. God wasn't in the fire. Then a whisper. My friends, in this crazy whirlwind, earth-shaking, firestorm of life, there are so many things fighting for our attention, but none of the things that add to your stress and worry or fear are from God. Listen to the still, small whisper that is calling you closer to him. I asked at the beginning of this message, how do I listen to God? How do I obey his instruction? It starts by trimming away all of the loudness that distracts and drowns out the whisper. As we secure our anchor and ourselves in God, the statement from that first song we sang, Firm Foundation, becomes so much more true. I've still got joy and chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense. So I won't be going under, I'm not held by my own strength. As we go out this week, let's make it a priority to trim or cut out any of the things that are pulling our attention away from God. We all individually know what those things are. If I was to ask you, what's one thing you could do less often that would give you more time so you could spend it with the Lord? You could give me an answer. I could give you an answer. I know off the top of my head immediately. Put down the phone. Put down the video game controller. Turn off the TV. Listen to the word of God and talk to him. That's what I got for you guys. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the blessing that it is to gather together with a fellowship of believers. Lord, I just ask that as we go out this week, that you would remind us that we are not alone. There is not a thing that we go through that you have not seen, gone through, and will deliver us out of. We pray that as we begin cutting away all of the noise, distractions, and busyness that the world throws in our way, that you would help us to be open and attentive to your voice. That we would listen and obey all that you're calling us to. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.